0: is real there's power in your name we find hope we trust in your ways we need Jesus is
1: real they're constantly telling us this is what God did here this is how this thing worked this is how this thing worked why because we don't want to divorce today from our history But this is what happened for the children of Israel. The younger generation didn't know the Lord in the tangible, radical ways that the generation who walked into the Promised Land for the first time did. They didn't see God move in those ways. And they didn't know the testimonies. Not on a heart level.
0: The generation of Israelites who weren't among the first to enter the Promised Land didn't cling to God as readily as their parents. Their lack of faith led them deep into destructive lifestyles. Today, Pastor Daniel will be urging you to learn from their mistakes, but also to seek out the generations of devoted Christ followers who came before you. Take their testimonies of God's faithfulness to heart and use them to fuel your own walk with God. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Judges chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Wheels Fall Off.
1: When you trust God, you will walk in obedience. And when you walk in obedience, God can accomplish all that he wants to. But when you don't trust God, you start to walk in disobedience. And then God won't do all that he wants to do in that situation because you can't handle what he wants to do. When you're faithful, he was faithful in little things, God will give greater things to you. So there is a synergy between what God is doing and what we get to experience. And I think for all of us, if you look back over your walk, if you've walked with Jesus for any length of time, you'll see that there were times when you were a great partner for what God wanted to do, and there were times when you were a partner that God had to work around. Can I get an amen to that? And so God will ultimately always accomplish all that needs to be accomplished, because if you're not in a place to be able to be the vehicle, God will use somebody else. But really the question becomes is, are you available for God to do what he wants to do? Are you being faithful with what you're supposed to do? See, he says here, he's like, not only am I not going to drive them out, but the very gods who I don't want you to worship, they're actually going to be a snare to you because your heart's divided. And so when I read things like this, I start to say to myself, God, where is my heart divided? Like, where am I not devoted only to you, God? Where do I have competing affections or agendas? Where are things that I'm like, I really love Jesus, but I really want this other thing more. Right, like In our pre-service prayer, it was amazing. I didn't share any of the message with anybody there, but one of the prayers that was going on in that pre-service prayer is, Lord, let us not be afraid of you giving us more of you. And there was people started speaking, praying and speaking prophetically about, I believe there's some of us right now who we want more of God, but we're really terrified of what God's gonna ask of us. And so it's a great reminder. Sometimes we want security and ease more than we want what God has for us. And that's why oftentimes God will invite us into things and we'll be like, yeah, no thanks, God. Right? Or it's like, well, yeah, Lord, I'm not. I'm really a no, Lord. Right? And so we have to make sure that we are always willing and that we trust the Lord. Now, from there, what it says in verse four is that so it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. Wow. So the people heard it, and their hearts were broken about what they heard. Then they called the name of that place Bochim, and that literally means weeping, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. So they offered sacrifices to God. And then it says, and when Joshua had dismissed the people, the children of Israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land. Verse 7, so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Now, verse 8, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance in Timnath, Harris, in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. Then all that generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. So, Right here, you start to see where the slide is coming in. Now, really what we find is that because of Joshua's leadership and the leadership of those elders who are with Joshua, it says that the people served the Lord in those days. They had godly leaders. They had people who they could look to, people who could help be mediators of what who God is and what he's done. And as long as there were those guardrails of godly leadership, things went well. But then notice what it says in verse 8. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. And so Joshua lived a good long time. Now, notice the title that Joshua was given. What was Joshua called? The servant of the Lord. That's so what I want you to do. I want you to take that and I want you to circle that in your Bible right there. Because here's the deal, that's the best title ever to be given, right there. All these other titles, I'm VP of marketing, I'm the chief, whatever, whatever, you know. Listen, the best title is that you're known as the servant of the Lord. Because Jesus said the greatest in His kingdom is what? The servant of all, right? Our job is to be servants. And a servant simply does the will of his master. I mean, that title, Moses, was called over and over again the servant of the Lord. Now Joshua is called the servant of the Lord. It's a tremendous, tremendous testimony. See, the servant is simply there to serve, right? So Joshua is called the servant of the Lord just as Moses was, and he dies, and he gets to be buried within the realm of his inheritance. But by the time we get to verse 10, notice, then all that generation had been gathered to their fathers and... Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. So what's interesting about this is this isn't necessarily just an indictment of the younger generation. It's also an indictment of the generation who did not pass along an experiential knowledge. Now here's the thing. For those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a long time, you would, what we would be called, grounded in the faith. You Exist today to make huge investments and deposits in the spiritual well-being of the emerging generation. That's why you exist. So sometimes people, they get all worked up in church, like, oh, this church is for young people, or this church is for old people. No, the church is for people. And everybody in the church has a role within the church. And those of you who have been walking with Jesus for any length of time, if you're like, well, I don't really like the music. It's not about the music. You have been grounded so that you can make an investment in the next generation. We believe here in Crossroads in being a family of faith fully engaged. And that means everyone has a part to play. Like, let me give you an example. My grandparents, I talk to them every Wednesday night on the way to church. And my grandparents tell me the stories of life before I got here. They give me a vision for what my family looked like. And I'm grateful for that investment. They give me a perspective on life from a different seat. And I need that because left up to my own devices, I have a limited perspective. Right? And so the older generation, you have a God-given responsibility to make an investment in the emerging generation sure they got lots of energy and you're like well I don't really have that much energy but you have lots of tread on the tires and those tires have seen lots of places can I get an amen so listen you still got tread on the tire you're not broken down the side of the road yet and the key is are you making the investment now here's the thing All of you, you guys, I want you to be in men's ministry. I want you to mentor younger men. You women, you be in women's ministry. You mentor younger women. Those of you who have a background in addiction, I want you to be a part of recovery. And I want you to start to pour into people who are working out those type of things. See, all of us have something to give. I'll be honest with you. I have been blessed to have amazing mentors in my life. I am where I am and who I am today because I have been receiving continual investment from older believers who have seen things I've never seen or maybe will never see, but they make an investment in my life. And that has changed my life. Now listen, those of you who are younger, listen, you need to seek out those mentors too. And what I want to tell you is this, we live in a age, and I realize as crosses of the intergenerational church, we have people in every part of life. One of the things that I've learned is that oftentimes the older generation, they want to pour into the younger generation, but like, they don't ask me to come in. Here's what I want to tell you. The younger generation wants your investment. They don't know how to ask. And the reason they don't know, we don't know how to ask as the younger generation is because our parents did everything for us. They practically did our homework. They got us out of all the trouble. And so, you know, we've been a little bit stunted in our uh, ability to be assertive in some ways. And don't miss the fact that when a younger person texts you, that's like them asking for your help. That's just their normal mode of communication. I was talking to someone like, well, why does someone, they always text me. I'm like, well, that's like for you calling them on the phone. Texting is the same thing for the younger generation. So here's the deal. What I want you older folks is I want you to go and just insert yourself into people's lives. That's what I'm asking you to do. And you younger folks, when older people insert themselves in your life, let them take you out for coffee. Right? Build those relationships. I'll be honest with you. My very first pastor, Pastor Andy Green of Ashland Christian Fellowship, he inserted himself into my life. He walked to me, he's like, "Hey, what are you doing tomorrow at eleven o'clock?" "Uh, nothing." "Uh, you, you want you want a free hot dog?" I'm like, "Well, I'm a vegetarian." At that time, I was. You know, that's another story for another day, <laughs> right? And he's like, "Well, you eat ice cream then, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, ice cream works." He's like, "Well, I'll take you for ice cream. I gotta go to Costco. I need an extra set of muscles." And I started laughing. I'm like, you must need to get a couple more guys then, because I'm not really gotten muscles here. But I'll take the free ice cream. And he literally inserted himself in my life. began to pour into my life. So here's the thing. Part of the problem here is that the older generation, maybe when they got in the land, they just stopped making the investment. The younger generation emerged and they didn't know the Lord. And not only does it say that they didn't know the Lord, but it's also or the work that he had done for Israel. Like, They weren't there, and so they didn't receive the story well enough. It's one of the things, like, I think about what God has done here at Crossroads. We have these quarterly staff development days where we bring in different people. And the second one, we invited in Pastor Bill Ritchie, our founding pastor. And all he did was tell our staff the stories of Crossroads. Because none of us were there, or there's a few of us, a few of the folks were there. And I'm like, we want our founding pastor to tell us the stories of how we got here. Because it gives context to what we are and where we've been and how we are. And I'm Pastor Bill is always coming in. Pastor Ralph, who's, who'd been alongside Pastor Bill for a long time and lots of folks who've been across us for a while. They're constantly telling us, this is what God did here. This is how this thing worked. This is how this thing worked. Why? Because we don't want to divorce today from our history. But this is what happened for the children of Israel. The younger generation didn't know the Lord. In the tangible, radical ways that the generation who walked in the promised land for the first time did. They didn't see God move in those ways. And they didn't know the testimonies. Not on the heart level. And right there, the slide begins. Now, look at what happens. In verse 11, then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baals and the Ashtoreths. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers and despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, Verse 16, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and they bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved with pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead, that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. And they did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Now, in a lot of ways, the verses that I just read to you, that is the entire book of Judges in summary form. Literally, if you understand verses 11 to 19, you understand the entire book of Judges because you're gonna see this cycle over and over and over again. what I'll tell you is that for those of us who are here today who are not followers of Jesus, you see this in your life right now if you're willing to look at it. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus Although we may not completely forsake our faith in Jesus, we see some of these same parameters playing out in our lives. Notice what happens first. It says the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. This is the most common phrase in the book of Judges. It shows up exactly the same way six different times, right? You find it in chapter 3, Twice, chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 10, chapter 13, as well as right here in chapter 2, right? So what happens is, is they, the children of Israel choose to do evil in the sight of the Lord, and they do it by serving other gods. The god Baal was one of the gods within the Canaanite pantheons of God. It was the god of the storm and the rains and really it's the god who the people believed controlled vegetation. So in an agrarian society where all of their main dietary sustenance comes from vegetation, you could imagine in a primitive culture worshiping the god who gives the rain that leads to the vegetation could be very seductive. Right? So they begin to serve the Baals, and when, as they serve the Baals, by choosing to walk toward another God, they forsake the Lord God of their fathers, the God who delivered them out of Egypt. And they, once they forsake the true and living God, then they begin to follow these other gods. And they bow down to them. They worship them. And in doing so, they provoke God to anger. Now, this is one of the reasons why in the scriptures it says that God is a jealous God. Because God wants a faithful person. And when we begin to forsake God to follow after other gods, just the way if you're married, right? Like, in marriage, my wife and I, we are jealous for each other's love. If my wife came home one day, and and praise God she never has, and I hope that she never will, I don't expect that she would. She comes over and says, I'm in love with somebody else. And I'm like, oh man, great. Have a blast. That means I never loved my wife, that I was never in a covenant or commitment with her, right? It's like within marriage, you should be jealous for your spouse's love. You don't want your spouse to be straying after other people, whether it's physical, real people or whether it's people on the internet through pornography. Like You want that stuff protected. And if somebody who you've made a covenant with begins to stray away, obviously that's going to break your heart. That hurts. And unfortunately, many of you, unfortunately, know what that's like. You've had those experiences, right? So what happens is, is it begins with a heart that strays. And before you know it, you're it And this is provoking the anger of God, right? So when they provoke the anger of God, then God delivers them into the hands of Other people, it says here, plunderers. People who come and they begin to oppress them, right? And in a lot of ways, this is what happens when we forsake God, even as followers of Jesus. Like, you start to be spiritually adulterous and then you find yourself in things and then before you know it, you find yourself in bondage, right? You find yourself in this place where you're like, this is a terrible place to be in. And many of us have experienced that, haven't we? I know it's it's not fun to talk about, but sometimes we make decisions and we begin to forsake God, and then we find ourselves in place like, I can't believe I'm here right now. I can't believe I'm in this situation. How did I get here? Right? But what happens is your heart strays and then your feet stray. And really what goes on is God loves you too much to bless you when you're living in rebellion against Him. That's how this works. See, if God blesses you in the midst of your rebellion, then you're going to keep it going. So what God is, he loves you enough to chasten you. Just in the same way, like we have discussions today because we live in a day and age where we think that parents shouldn't discipline their children. Now, the mode of discipline is a different discussion for another day. But like if my daughter Annabelle just runs in the street, if I don't reprimand her, I actually don't love her. You have to realize that if I don't reprimand my daughter for running crazily into the street at four-year-olds, I don't love her because if she does that and there's a car there, she can get hit by a car. So part of being a good parent is reprimanding and teaching your children what is the right way. And you can't, hey, you ran into the street. Great, here's some ice cream. Because you know if you give them ice cream, they're going to do it again, right? Because that's, that's their way to get an ice cream call. So what God does is when we are living in such a way where we are following after other gods and our feet are straying, if God blesses us when we're there then we will be mistaken and think we should keep doing this. And so what God does is he allows the natural outcome of those decisions to begin to press on us. And notice what happens. When that happens, of course, it says that when they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity and they were greatly distressed. And then what would God do? God will raise up a deliverer. These judges who would come, Right? And God would use a deliverer to come in to dispossess the children of Israel from their oppressors. And that ultimately the children of Israel would be safe because of the godly leadership of the deliverer. Now, for you and I, the book of Judges is an exercise of the people left up to their own devices stray from God. And you need a deliverer. And obviously this is a picture of the ultimate deliverer, which is Jesus. Like, the key for us is we don't need a deliverer right now. We already have the deliverer. His name is Jesus. Jesus has already completed the work. So you don't need another deliverer. You have Jesus. And because of Jesus' deliverance, because of his godly leadership, because of the spirit of God, then we are safe and God keeps us within the necessary bounds so that our lives can be all that God would have it be. But notice what goes on. As long as that deliverer, that judge, was in place, the people were fine. But then notice what it says. It came to pass, verse 19, when the judge was dead, that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and to bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. So it's beautiful. God, even though the children of Israel were unfaithful, when they started groaning and were distressed, God still extended mercy. You notice that, right? Even though God would be completely right to completely judge them, God is still a merciful God, even in the midst of his justice. Because even though they were forsaking him, even though they were adulterous spiritually, even though they were following other gods, his love for them was still greater. So he'd raise up a deliverer. And over and over and over again in the book of Judges, it's called the book of Judges for this reason, God continues to raise up these judges, these deliverers. There were 15 individuals in the book of Judges who could receive that title of one of these judges. Some of them did small things. Some of them did, you know, huge things. Some of them have lots of text, and some of them just have a little bit of text. But notice, after that deliver was gone, the people were spiraling worse and worse. Now, I think that's a, a, an interesting phrase that they were—they got worse. And that's the problem, of course, when we continue to go back. Is that, and anybody who's had an addiction background, you know what this is like. That when, if when you're in addiction and then when you get clean and then when you go back to it it's almost like the second time is worse and the third time is even more worse and, and many of us have been down those roads so you know exactly what I'm talking about it's like when you go back to the thing that thing grabs you in a worse more aggressive way and it really shows the progressive nature of rebellion it's like once you've been to a place there always has to go to the next more insane place
0: Jesus is It's much easier to remember faith when you've seen firsthand the power of God. This was the experience of the first Israelites to enter the land, but their children didn't seem to learn from their experiences. The next generation forgot the Creator's covenant and turned instead to temporary and destructive pleasures. Pastor Daniel reminded you today how easily you too can lose sight of who really matters. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio
1: were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with
0: Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. The people of Israel weren't finished after their major battles upon entering the Promised Land. God still had territory for them to conquer, and he invited them into those battles. Today's message concluded Pastor Daniel's Arise series. This look at the beginning of Judges was intended to share how you too can be part of the work of God's kingdom. Also, to remind you how quickly faith can dissipate when you don't invest in remembering. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.